Hello, everybody, and welcome to Barnside Chats with Bob and Burns. I'm Burns. And I'm Bob. And today we have a special guest, Rachel Boring of The Boring Farm, which isn't quite as boring as it sounds. It's quite an exciting place. So, Rachel, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Yeah. You bet. I am a young woman originally out of Georgia, and I moved out here to the city um, to change it up completely. lived in San Francisco for a while um, before moving up here to Stone County to work on some farms. Um, and then, yeah, before, that's when my farm came through. And I started my farm here um, a little over three years ago now. So. And you were originally from Georgia, correct? Yeah, uh, Georgia up in the mountains. Pretty pretty, but kind of different than out here. Uh, I enjoy out here a lot more. Our climate and everything's really ideal. Our soil and everything's really great for farming, as you guys know. So, so what was the main reason that brought you to California from Georgia? Um, I just wanted to start over completely new. I had an opportunity to uh, rent a small little flat out in the city, and I just case and came out. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, well, sometimes <laughs> you to change. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay. And on your farm, the Boring Farm, what do you grow? So our main staple crop is our uh, organic raspberries. Right now we're just growing some red ones, but um, I might branch out here in the future of other sub-varietals maybe or other kind of berries, but for now it's organic raspberries. Um we offer it as a U-pick, so we let public come out, bring your kids and everything, and, and uh, pick the berries and pay for them by the pound, and come and relax on our ponds, and picnic, and enjoy yourselves, slow down. It's really quiet and nice out here. And where is your farm located for people who are interested in that? Mm, um, we're located in southwest Sebastopol, California, um, so pretty close to the 101, Pretty, pretty easy location to find. Um, we should just say, look for the Boring Farm sign. Yeah, you can always look for the Boring Egg sign that uh, directs you to our barn on the property. And uh, that's where we sell our farm fresh eggs out of. And you have like a, uh, a honor system with that? Yeah, so it's just a, a walk-up fridge with a change box located beside it. And yeah, it's mostly... Uh, our neighbors really that really buy from us, but I try to keep some change in there and work basically open up anytime there's daylight, sun up, sun down. So. And how many how many chickens do you have? Uh, I'd say sixty five or so, and four roosters. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. I think six or seven different breeds of chicken out there too, so people can get. A good mix of white eggs, brown eggs, blue-green eggs, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't realize you had that many chickens out there. It doesn't seem like it. It's a small setup, but there's it, that coop can hold a lot of chickens. <laughs> I bet. Um, we were just talking to a uh, friend of mine, or ours, I guess, and uh, he had he was on our last episode, and he's got a couple thousand. And, uh, so I can, I can now understand why, you know, it, you can 
put chickens in a small space and be able to have enough, you know, room, enough room for them to roam around in, in a smaller space. Yeah, they do make a lot of sense. But everything likes to eat chicken. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and every, um, it would be hard for me to do it full, like, large scale. We, we wanted enough around here to you know, obviously have eggs to eat and have a way to compost our garden scraps and stuff, but 2,000 chickens is a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, they economically-wise, they make a lot of sense. I get why this whole area and everything has been known for, especially Petaluma, you know, laying eggs and everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. So that- I don't know. I- I hate going out to the chicken coop in the morning and seeing like seven dead chickens and they're all missing their heads and that's because a weasel came and got them. I mean, everything likes chicken. Yeah, those dang weasels, they're hard to get too. I mean, there's no real way of catching them or exterminating them or nothing that I know of. Yeah, they just eat the heads like for fun. Like, that's messed up. I love that everybody is involved in a little bit of different farming here and there, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Keep the diversity going. So now, um, back to your main crop you grow, raspberries. Is there a reason why you chose than any other fruit? Raspberries are in the same family as a blackberry. So I knew once their root systems got established, they would do really well in this climate with not a lot of care. Um, potentially a lot of water need, but not a lot of care. Um, and they're my favorite. I, I love the way they taste. I love the way they smell. I love the way they grow. I love the way they pick. Um, their thorns are not like a blackberry. They've got just a bunch of, it's almost like little prickly, like, uh, uh, Velcro, the rough side of some Velcro instead of those massive rose-like thorns that blackberries have mm-hmm. you know it's a lot a lot more manageable um so th- i picked them for a lot of reasons i knew i would get a crop off of them within the first year or two instead of waiting you know three years for grapes and five years for apples and stuff like that so i needed something i could at least even if i didn't have a market to offset that produce into I can freeze it and turn it into value-added products next year or something I can do something with it and so just I can't sit on something for that long and all the infrastructure costs and everything so hmm. lots of reasons actually mm-hmm. this made made sense and my soil when I tested my soil the pH was right there in it right where you want to be so why why fight it why amend the soil to produce something else you know mm-hmm yeah. And then you said, too, that you were uh, selling raspberries to Screw Me and Mimi's, right? Yeah, yeah. They buy, um, uh, they've bought, gosh, I don't even know how many pounds of fresh berry from us. And then once we're out of fresh, they'll transition to frozen. They made um, ice cream, actually. They always carry sorbet on their menu, but they don't ever have have the access to fresh berries like this, so they've made ice cream for the first time, and it's so good. Hmm. I got to try some. Robbie, we should go to Scream and Mimi sometime. Mm Mm-hmm. Haven't been there in a while. They're not 
Okay. Well, that makes it easier for us with the COVID stuff. Then we can just run in, grab a pint, and bring it back home. Yeah, so, I, can... yeah. Especially on the weekends when the lines and stuff are so long around that building, it's kind of nice to just order your pint, grab it, and go. Especially like a hot weekend like we're having now. Oh we're going my god. Yeah, how hot this mm-hmm. is. Are y'all going to get triple digits where you are? We were supposed to on Monday, and now we're not anymore. Yep. <sighs> yeah, Monday it's supposed to get up to 100. Yeah, we're calling for 93 out here now. So I'll take whatever I can get. Well, we're starting to pick uh, first thing, first daylight, because uh, it's just so hot. Can't you? You can't really pick berries um, after the heat of the day sets in them. It just they just cook, you know. So we really have a brief window of time to get those berries picked every day. Yeah, um, that leads me to a question. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know how a vineyard works, where we pick. Robbie and I would know uh, they pick at night, so. I don't know, two, three o'clock in the morning till, till whenever. Do you think your operation will ever get that big? It's not necessarily that it's that big. Um, normally, we can't pick berries that early in the morning because it's so wet. Okay. Um, we have to wait until the berries are dry, but not till, but before they're warm. Okay. So. Um, there are machine harvestable varietals, but mm-hmm. those tend to ripen all at the same time. So they're not as ideal for a U-pick situation. So it's not necessarily, I think, indicative of size. These are just harvested very different. Okay. Okay. Um, so you're talking about varieties. Is there is there a lot of different varieties of raspberries out there? Yeah, there's a lot more than you would think. And they've altered a lot of them and really done a good job with them. Um, you can still get some heritage varietals and vintage varietals, but you have to pay a royalty on them typically, and but that doesn't end up costing that much at the end, as it, you know, in the long run. But there's some tried and trues that like uh, Nerf breeds will sell and things because you just can't get wrong. With them. But I went a little more on the vintage, on the obscene side a little bit. Okay. Were you yeah, able to... I mean, there's, is it, I don't know what it's like, it's great. Like, I mean, I know you grow Chardonnay or something, but are there a bunch of different kinds of grapes that are considered Chardonnay, or are they done by the region? Or... It's a type. Yeah. So then with your uh, raspberries that you planted, how long do they last before you have to take them out or are they pretty sustainable so the root systems can go for 25 years if you take care of them well oh wow but i mean could be worse they grow biannually so second year cane is what will fruit typically um they have done modifications now where you can actually get a crop off of first year growth so there's two different types of producing paint. 
Do you have any pests with them? So far, not really. I mean, the occasional cucumber beetle, you know. Um, there are uh, like yellow jackets and wasps and things in the area because I've gotten stung a few times. But for the most part, no, we look really good this year. I mean, I'm just surprised that we have as much fruit as we have, to be mm-hmm. honest. And for that, too, I mean, like you said, they go for 25 years. Is there, if you know, is there kind of a peak period for them? Like within the first 10, 15 years is kind of their peak, or are they pretty solid all the way throughout their growth time? stuff opens up, you can stop by the ranch and take a look at it, and we could talk about them. That'd be awesome. Yeah, thanks. And then, I mean, you've already talked to Tristan about wheat. I don't know. He wants to grow it out there, probably. <laughs> we just uh, had a verbal agreement for him to come out here and do some spring zone and some fall zone on the property. Nice. Yeah. So what is that? I don't know. He was saying some wheat and rye and different, you know, just fail-safes, basically. Oh, so types of wheat and, and rye. Oh, yeah, he didn't go into specifically. Um, he was just listing, you know, I've got some wetter areas and some drier stuff, but... Got it. Well, when you guys um, plant that or get ready to harvest that, we'll have to have uh, both you and Tristan on to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. It'll be great. It Maybe makes a lot of sense. His home ranch is so close by. Yeah. So, and I mean, all, the, all my other offers for the rest of the acreage was for like dairy cattle or beef cattle and things. And the, the fence lines around here are pretty bad. So, I'm excited to work with Tristan. <laughs> so, and then, too, we talked about it before we had this meeting, but how many people do you have that work for you on your farm? Around the whole field right now, so that's uh, eight feet tall, 
and I just plan to um, bump the number of your employees from four to ten eventually yeah yeah especially by next spring um, just because running that epic I'll need quite a few people mm-hmm. it's, it's not a simple operation but if I were only doing a harvest crew for next year I would need probably 15 or more so you get to squeak by with a slightly smaller crew if you're doing you pick, which helps. Okay. But now that the crew of pickers, that would just be for a couple of days of harvesting, correct? Yeah, these berries will ripen in two days. Oh. So it's kind of like you hit, right now what we do is we hit one half of the field one day and then the second half of the field the second and then just alternate back and forth, back and forth. And we're, we're picking every day that way. They ripen a lot faster than uh, a lot of berries. Um, I know that blueberries can last upwards of 10 days on a bush before they have to get harvested. Mm-hmm. And these will become overripe and just squishy um, in about three. Okay, so you got a very short time. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's great for you. Pick. People can come out and pick it all and then I'll have more to sell them in two days instead of, you know, some places they get picked out in one day and they can't open again for another whole week or more. So the people that were going to come out that day don't have the opportunity anymore. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be interesting to have um, public out here multiple days a week and then probably still have to at least glean the field once or twice before the public comes back out. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting crop to work with. I didn't expect them to continually ripen as fast as they do and to continually push out new berries right behind them. So, hmm. it's fun. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You got fast turnaround with, with those raspberries. I didn't know they went that, that fast. They grew that fast. That's that's mind-boggling, if I can speak. Yeah, yeah, they... They, they take a bit to grow. Like probably from, to the berry, I would say is at least a month. But it's like they, they take a while to grow, and then as soon as they're full size, they ripe. Hmm. Getting into triple digits. <laughs> yeah, the sun is probably not going to help that. They're going to just grow, or they're just going to be ready within maybe a day and a half. Oh yeah, yeah. We're trying to get it all picked but it's it's a lot uh this year the plants got to grow a whole lot of different directions before we got the trellising set up so we were taking plants and trying to force them inside the trellising and what that does is it creates all these crazy turned canes that are facing into the plant in different directions and stuff. And in reality, in the future, the, the canes will be trained 
to where they're coming out on the outer edge of this trellising so that the berries are out there right on the outer edge instead of waving in or twisted around and all this stuff. So some sections the plants are still only like a foot tall. Sometimes the plants are four feet tall already. <laughs> it's a little bit of a of a maze to go pick them right now. It's kind of fun. It's like high seek or something. I don't know. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, next year will be different. We'll, we'll uh, train the canes from the beginning, so that just you know means that we take the trellis wires and we um, unhook it from the trellising bars, the holes, and everything, and port the canes inside the wire and connect it back to the trellising pole, hold in place. So it should they should grow even taller because they grow better when they're supported instead of just uh, running loose on the ground. So next year the plant should be even bigger, thicker, straighter. So how tall should they get at a maximum? Um, so really, they can get up to about six feet tall. You want to top them off over the winter time, though, uh, to five feet tall. Just because they send out lateral shoots in the spring and they fruit off of that. And uh, if they're too tall and lanky, they just topple over with the weight. They, the cane itself isn't big enough around to support all that lateral weight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they get pretty tall, but you mm-hmm. got to manage them, keep them cut back mm-hmm. a bit. And then after they're done fruiting, you have to cut that cane out and they're done. So you prune them directly after harvest or in the wintertime? I don't know. I'm going to try to figure that out this year. Um, I did an experiment with raspberries that I have in my garden here behind my house, and I purposely pruned them different times, different ways, to see if it made a difference or not. And honestly, the ones that I saved to prune until March actually did the best. Hmm. So So most of them I pruned, like, November, December, January. So, I don't know. It's all it's all an experiment. I hope in the future to be able to have a weed whacking implement on the back of a tractor and to be able to just run right through and cut all the canes down that are spent. Mm-hmm. So, get a little modernization going there. You know, mechanization, I guess. Yeah. It sounds like... You're going to need one of those cane cutters. It's like those blades on a blades that go in front of a tractor or behind it on the three point or on the front. Yeah. So it makes it so simple. Yeah. There's, there's two different ways to prune raspberries, depending on which kind you've got, if you've got summer bearing or the fall bearing. And so how some of them you have to go in and hand prune and keep certain canes and, and whatnot, and then other ones just mow them down to the ground and let them start over every year. So those are the ones that produce in the fall because it takes them all season long to grow vegetatively before they fruit. Hmm. So, um, yeah, half half our field will be weed whacked or or laid it down, I guess. I don't know. It has to depend on rain and runoff in the field. Um, I am not the best operator, and so sliding uh, up and down a hilltop, uh, <laughs> I have to be careful.
careful of, I guess. Well, what you're on a you're on a tractor, right? And is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, is it wheels or tracks? Wheels. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, tracks would have ripped up my grass. Of course. So, uh, can't have that and manage the field in the middle of you pick season. Um, if I rip up that grass, it's just dirt and then dust blows all over the berries. Right, which so, causes you to clean uh, them or have them cleaned and all, all that. All the guys in my life have been trying to talk me into getting Caterpillar <laughs> equipment. Uh, through mutual friends that we have yes. that are brilliant mechanics, but I am not a brilliant mechanic. So. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you have Tristan Benson nearby for any mechanical needs. Absolutely. He helps me so much with that stuff. And then we'll work on a little sports car, which is just for fun, you know. So then, too, as you were speaking about the future, where do you see boring farms kind of in the next five to ten years? Do you kind of have an idea on that, where you kind of would like to be? Yeah, that's a great question. I really want to be a destination place for people. Um, we're going to have a very long season out here, a solid three or four months of a season. And so... Um, I just really want public to be out here and get to enjoy uh, what I feel like is just a lucky piece of heaven that I get to own. Um, yeah, I want to create some products and things and create ways for people to have an experience out here, but also be able to take something home um, to get to relive that experience later, sometimes in the middle of winter when we, when we all could use some summer harvest happiness I feel like when it's raining outside <laughs> but uh, yeah just want to really be a go-to spot for people for fresh berry needs I guess nice almost like a, a day getaway kind of deal or yeah yeah like how get to just slow down and enjoy it almost uh, like for people and on what we know how to make and what I know how to do and how to live but, but that's probably 10 year plan to be honest mm -hmm. so it's interesting it's, it's been interesting to open up and start all this kind of stuff right in the year of, of the COVID um, it's it's it, it's hard to base anything off of this year because this year is so different for all of us well at least starting a year like this you can't go anywhere but up, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Definitely. I think it's been a great year. It's kind of shown a lot of what's important and what's necessary and uh, what we need and what we really, the simple things that we really need just to feel good. I think fresh, fresh air, blue skies, you know, we take that for granted sometimes out here with our fires and everything. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the pandemic's helped people appreciate that too. Uh, I work for a UPIC berry farm here in Spassville too on weekends um, when they have their season. And we had so many people tell us just how grateful they were that we were open because they came out the year before and it felt a little bit like a sense of normal feedback for their lives. 
know, I don't know, just maybe really appreciate it and be grateful for how I, how I get to spend my day every day. And yeah, I'm just ready for people to get to enjoy it too. Well, it sounds like a great lifestyle. I'll tell you what. A difficult, but great lifestyle. Can't complain. Wish I had one day off. That'd be great. One one day off and I'd be great. <laughs> well, Burns. I don't ask. I don't need much. <laughs> right. Just one day. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's just one day off and I, it, I, I, I'd be a new person. <laughs> well, the winter time, that's what the winter time's for a little bit. It's catching up. Yeah, exactly. I know, but I want it right now. I want it when it's sunny. Oh. That's why it's like, this year is so different because I'm just harvesting all the time, and, and that's a wonderful thing to get to do. But I can't wait to watch other people harvest my field for me and get to enjoy it themselves, and then I get to enjoy myself. And, you know, the, the warmest, most wonderful time of the year is the time that I'm the most busiest, which is not unusual for farmers. But uh, it'll be really great to be able to have a day off <laughs> in the future. Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. <laughs> I hear you there. So, Burns, is there any more questions you'd like to ask? Um, well, I got a couple here, I guess. Uh, if they make sense or not, I don't know. Um, okay. so one, of, one of my questions, and this is going to be my my only question, and it's kind of a, a long, dragging question, is, so what did you do to have, or what did you have to do in order to get your raspberries to where they are today? Um, in that case, I mean, I understand that you got the land, and you figured out how to do it, or you figured out, you know, I want raspberries. So... What was that whole process? Did you had to like disc up a, f a section of the field or a certain amount of acreage, uh, permits, and all that kind of stuff? Uh, no, you don't have to do permits for berry fields uh, in Sonoma County. Actually, um, you have to permit orchards and vineyards, but it's not a tree and it's not a vine. It's considered a berry bush or berry plant. In that regard, but yeah, absolutely. Um, to old manure, manure ponds on the property. Um, it was an old dairy back in about 40 something years ago, and so we spent the summer before this field uh, installation and everything. Uh, we dug out those ponds because they had not been cleaned out in a long time, years, decades and decades actually. So uh, we harnessed all the topsoil out of that and moved it up onto the, ras the future raspberry field. So it took a lot of extra disking and, and, and everything, harrowing, um, so many ginormous boulders and rocks and things we had to pull out and garbage and stuff. It was, it was interesting. I bought a really old, just kind of um, not abandoned farm, but just not really well, looked after there were so anyways yeah we uh, dug all that out uh land planed it all finally and then uh listed it for mounds to plant the raspberries into because you need to have them set up with really good drainage so yeah there's been a lot of prep in this that's been going on the work that's been going on since uh 
oh gosh, the summer of last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so that mainly answers my question. Um, something that will follow along with that is, uh, so you, you got these raspberries and they're bushes in a row. Is that correct? Yeah, it forms like a long hedge. Uh-huh. So uh, with raspberries, do you have to do, use like a cultivator or a plow that goes in between each row to keep it to keep the weeds out? Or what do you do for that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, eventually, they act very much like blackberries. You know, they will encroach, and those root systems will keep establishing themselves. And they really grow laterally the first year. So, a lot of them, they tend to send up a bunch of shoots and are way far out of the trellising system, um, which, you know, obviously helps hold them up into the hedge. So, um, yeah, you run cultivator along your mound to break up those root systems and everything. And then we will disc it between every row and reseed it with a really strong rye or something really nice and dense for people to be able to walk on. But um, for, at first, it's like when the plants are really small, you got to hand uh, weed everything in between all the plants. But then eventually when they actually get grown in, they do a lot, they block out a lot of sunlight and, and not a lot of weeds kind of grow up around them. So... For the most part, you can handle a lot of it with machinery, which is nice. Some of the, oh. you know, when it first starts growing for the season, they're little, you got to just do it by hand. But for the most part, there's a, there's a tipping point. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I guess they, if they cover the sunlight, nothing will grow. Um, or yeah. As much. Once they grow in thick enough, they really, they take over, they take over so much that it, it takes something really strong to push up through them. Like the only thing really that I've seen is stinging nettle, you know, because nobody wants to um, get in there and get that out. But yeah, it's pretty manageable, actually. Well, ask me this question 10 years from now, but for, for now, this year it's been pretty manageable. Oh, if there's still podcast 10 years in the future, we will bring it back. Oh, there'll be podcasters. I'm looking forward to that. I'll be a lot more wise. Hopefully we all are. More experience under my belt. (laughs) Well, uh, just to let you know, Alabama is winning 21 to zero in the second (laughs) beginning of the second quarter. So Um, I'm not surprised by that at all, but thank you. I'm kidding. I'm supposed to say that. Uh, and it, that was a side note from before we started talking on the podcast. So just in case you want to know. Say again? Oh, I was just letting the fans know. That's all. Oh, why, yeah. why the Alabama deal? And it popped up on here. So I started talking. I was watching it mm. while talking. Um, so anyways, yeah, that's that's all I got for question wise. Um, yeah. Uh, I can't wait to go out there and get some raspberries because raspberries are like my favorite berry. And I strongly despise of blackberries because they're everywhere. Um, yeah. I don't know where all of our viewers are. Plant those people can just pull along the roads, you know, anywhere in this county pretty much and go pick them for free. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much it, you know, in this county. I don't know about anywhere else. I just know that in specifically in Sonoma County, 
maybe Mendocino, maybe Napa and Lake, and maybe Marin. There are blackberries just everywhere on the side of the road. And just, you could almost buy a property and say, hey, look, I got blackberries. And they just appear. They show up anywhere from the birds. And the birds drop them, or they extract them somehow in a gross manner. It goes into the ground, and they grow anywhere. So yeah, it's it's really they take over too. I mean, I'm I'm sure you've picked some in your lifetime to eat, and probably most of the ones you picked were the Himalayan black blackberries, or the ones that have taken over everywhere. The natives are few and far between, but those the native berries are so much better tasting than the than the Himalayans. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. didn't know that. around here than they are for delicacy but um so i gotta ask because i'm getting so many people from the city coming up here or even like sacramento which is wild i would never have thought people would drive two hours to come pick berries but they do you know so you show them berry blackberries that are just growing native and they're like they lose their minds yeah the um (laughs) <laughs> you what you got there and this is what i was thinking about earlier is like you're the summer attraction when like you're the summer attraction or what you're thinking of is going to be like the summer attraction compared to like what pumpkins are in october or what christmas trees are in december you know what i mean i just want to create a longer uh agritourism season for my community with this, you know, that's not wine tasting because I think we have enough grapes at this point, but, um, there, there's probably, I think four or more Christmas tree farms right here in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And there used to be a pumpkin patch, uh, like a mile down the road for 20 plus years. I mean, people have really enjoyed coming out to this little Valley of ours and, um, you know, those people do a great job with all of their Christmas tree farms. I had people tell me to be a, a Christmas tree farm, but um, I'm, I'm really grateful to be a raspberry farmer. Yeah, those trees are temperamental and they take a while to grow. And you got you want to have different varieties and it's just kind of a pain. Um, yeah, and I don't really... 
I like that sometimes it feels like with pumpkin farms and stuff that they need to have other attractions there, like the the corn mazes and the hay rides and things, and it's all wonderful. But I just really want something that just seems a little simpler without all the extra stuff going on, I guess. Well, I, I, I still think your business could use a, a jumpy jump, you know, just for business purposes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a big old raspberry climate type. I mean, at least have a mascot, you know, have somebody in a raspberry costume. Oh, yeah. We're going to have, I'm going to have t-shirts made and that will have Nerd Dull Moment on the back. That's our slogan. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, for people that are going to work, you pick, it'll say boring worker or boring farmer on the back. There, see, your last name is a marketing tool. Well, if you if you need connections to people who do printing, we know people. We got oh, the people. Really? Yes. Yeah, we we got we got connections for printing and t-shirt needs. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm totally looking into getting hats made and shirts made, and so that yeah, when the U picks happening, we can all just wear the same shirt. But um, I've had I've, I'm so it's been so nice there's been so many people so many friends that have said if i had swag made that they would totally rock the swag so <laughs> gotta people what they want <laughs> i'm kidding but you shall ask and you shall receive <laughs> boring berries there you go well gotta go with the alliteration too you know it all just makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I'm just not highly creative at all. I tried to come up with some other name for so long, and it was like Rolling Green Hills or Tree That Blows in the Wind Farm. You know, just like the most generic thing. So, oh. yeah, that that the tree thing almost sounds like like the area you live in, and I will not specify that area. Um. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, uh, and if, you know, if it, if you know, you know, kind of thing. And I think Robbie's catching on to what I'm catching or what I'm saying, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, is there a way to include like the farm's Instagram in this? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, we'll, um, when we're done with this podcast, we'll uh, add it to our Instagram and to our Twitter, and then we'll we'll post the link to your Instagram on there. Oh, okay. And awesome. then if people yeah. have, then people have uh, questions or comments they want to ask you about Boring Farm, then they can just go directly through your Instagram account. Mm. Okay. If awesome. that'll if that'll work best, then your address and your phone number, then they can just go directly through your Instagram account. Cool. Love it. Yeah. So it'll be uh, Boring Farms will be on our Instagram page and uh, under our description uh, with the, for the next, I don't know, week, week, two weeks. What do you want? To, what do you want, Bob? Two weeks for what? Oh, we'll put, maybe we'll just leave it there for a lifetime, lifetime member. 
I didn't know we we were distinguished to have lifetime members yet, but yes, lifetime member. I don't. Anyways, it'll be on our Instagram page in our description. Boring farms. Um, I love this. This is awesome. Thanks, you guys. Yeah. Well, no thank, you for, thank you for coming on today and uh, and uh, telling us more about your farm and sharing it with our listeners. So, thank you, Rachel. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Yeah. Yep. Can't wait to visit once COVID's done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. The world will be a different place then. Yeah. And maybe next time we can talk about our adventure with Tristan. <laughs> talk about the trip to get Helen on wheels. Yes. Yeah, I still, I still don't know uh, the details for that. What did you end up doing with what you picked up? Oh, it's still sitting. I haven't found the the one part I need in for like months. Actually, that might be a, a good story for. One of our next episodes, we'll talk about that. Well, we kind of touched on it with. When did we touch? We touched on it on one of our equipment episodes, but. Yeah, well, when we have Tristan on next time, we'll talk about it. Yeah, he'll he'll say, "Why isn't it going? Why not?" I'm almost thinking about just running it the way it is. Just take that last tailwheel part and just run it. Yeah. And see what breaks. Might as well. I I mean there is a way you can do it so it's just gonna involve some heat and WD heat and WD and uh, tape fixes everything of course <laughs> breaks everything too <laughs> that, that's my that's my level of mechanistry uh, well Burns you got anything else you like to add to this podcast well I do not um. No, I'm I'm pretty good. Well, I guess we'll close it up here for today. If you're all good with that, Rachel. Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you again, Rachel, for coming on. And uh, remember where you heard it. From this side of the barn. Adios, everybody.